0: Terry Savage on a Friday. Hi, Terry. I hope you're doing well.
1: I am doing well. Watching the market. Not doing well.
0: Yeah, I love this little note that you sent to producer Pete. You (laughs) said, let's have a brief look at why the market is worried. Basically, that the economy is strong and inflation remains an issue. But that is the dual edges of the sword that we've been talking about for months now. The economy is strong and that's bad.
1: Yeah, isn't that weird? But the fact is, the whole world started out in January saying, you know, the Fed's almost done. Will they really beat inflation? They'll be lowering interest rates one of these days. The economy's slowing, and the market soared in January. Remember the January indicator? As the market goes in January, so it goes for the rest of the year. Hey, we're back in a bull market. And then... All these reports, consumers are spending. Inflation is built in. Home Depot says, yeah, our profits weren't so good because of our labor costs. Oh, my goodness, it's getting built in. It's inflationary. They'll raise prices. And then the Fed will have to raise rates again. And in the last couple of days, a few Fed governors have come out and sort of confirmed that, the minutes from their last meeting. And we now know that Jay Powell is going to be tough. And so I'm writing a column. I'm thinking of starting it with, remember, uh, Clint Eastwood, do you feel lucky? That's Jay Powell on the market. You want to go up? Do you feel lucky? And the market's going, eh, I don't think so. We're down another 460. It's
0: funny because <clears throat> a lot of this talk seems to have been more of an academic exercise, but now some of it is coming home to roost. Prices are still high and the market is starting to get shaky, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we had another indicator, the personal consumption index. Um, that's something the Fed looks at. Uh, it measures inflation in a way and it too came in today a little bit stronger so i uh, know doubting jay powell's willpower to keep at this and the other fed governors are rallying around so you'd have to be a little bit brave to say i'm gonna buy stocks anyway when good news headline headline you can yeah, get 5.1 yeah. percent On six-month T-bills, that's what they're yielding now. So a pretty good estimate is that on Monday, if you put money into a treasury auction, it's now 5.11% in the trading market. So you should get over 5%. If you go to treasurydirect.gov and say, take some money out of my checking or money market account, buy some six-month, 26-week T-bills, you're going to get at least 5%.
0: Imagine that. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. 312-981-7200 to call or text for Terry Savage. Terry's with us until 1230. So if you've got a question about anything, and particularly that, this is your chance to call or text. Uh, You know, the phone lines lit up for weeks. You remember when the T-bills were yielding over four. Now we're over five. So I would imagine people are still going to be very interested in that vehicle, Terry.
1: I know there's a lot of interest every time I bring it up. You see, the funny thing is, we've all been trained, well, you want to keep your money safe, put it in the bank. The banks are saying, we don't need to accumulate a lot of money. We're a little worried that the Fed's serious and that there might even be a slowdown and maybe still even a recession. So we're not anxious to make loans. So we're not trying to attract money. We're not giving away any toasters. And we're not posting our great high rates. So everybody's kind of like stuck. And there is no sales department. For treasury bills. I mean, nobody's, no brokers are out selling those. There's no commission in them. It's something you have to do yourself. And you can do it. It's a $100 minimum. And if you don't know how to do it, go to terrysavage.com. There's under links, financial links. It's called How to Buy Treasury Bills. You can do it. It's online. It's safe. It's IOUs from the government. It's the safest thing you can buy. And you can get your 5% for six months. We don't 5. know what 1. it'll be at the end of six months. No. Yeah. Then you'll renew them.
0: Okay, Uh, we'll pick up some phone lines. 312-981-7200. After we check a couple of things, including how the weather and the markets are doing, Bob Kessler, go. And I should also say I did the T-bill thing, and the hardest part was just getting my bank account entered in correctly. It was very easy, so thank you, Terry. Terry, you ready to take some calls from our listeners?
1: I love that. Let's do it.
0: By the way, before we do, and let's do that, but one of them is... Was our own Bob Kessler, who said he took your advice, he signed up for the T bills. What were what was the problem in signing up, Bob? It it wasn't really a problem at all. I just the only hiccup was my own human error in typing in the wrong bank account number because you have to type (laughs) it all in. So that's just to say it's easy. Yeah, I did it in maybe five or ten minutes. So you and then you do you physically transfer the money, Bob? I did it all online. Well, uh, that's what I mean. But I mean, or do do they come and grab it? They come and grab it. You put in your your bank account number where the money is, and then they they go and get it.
1: Let's be clear about it. It's easy to open an account. You need your name, social security number, and your bank account number, and the bank routing number, which is the seven digits before your account number at the bottom of your check, or you can call your bank and ask for the routing number. Oddly, I I had that memorized. Yeah, That's something we'll (laughs) all know now. Nobody ever knew that. Wow. And then you go to buy direct. There's a tab. You've got your account open. It says confirm. This is where the money's coming from and going back to. Yep. All set. Then the, there's another tab. It says buy direct and there'll be a list. It'll say 13 week T-bills next Monday, the Monday after that, the Monday after that, 26 week T-bills. You want to do this next Monday, the Monday after And you click on it and say, okay, next Monday, I have a thousand dollars and I want it that 26 week, six month T-bills the next Monday auction, you do not know what the rate's going to be, but I'm telling you, it's, we're now Friday, and it's going to be about, I would bet that it's going to be at least 5%. And so you say, yep, five. Of, that sounds good to me. They don't tell you what the rate will be. I want to buy $1,000 worth. You click down. They say, review your transaction, confirm, review your transaction, submit. And then Monday afternoon, they're not going to take the full $1,000 out. They're going to leave you with 50 or 60 or whatever the interest rate is, dollars, Six percent for I mean sorry five percent for six months, the money that's the interest actually stays in your account and they take an odd amount out. At the end of six months, they'll drop the thousand dollars back in. However, when you place your order, it says by the way, do you want to automatically renew those? How many times? Yeah, I'm not going to use this money. Whatever it is, six months from now, renew it or renew it three times for the next you know year and a half or whatever. So it's so easy to do. That's all you have to do. I promise you. Grammars is there, can do is,
0: it. Is there a ceiling on how much money you can put in?
1: No. People think there's a $10,000 ceiling because that was the I-bonds. But people put millions of dollars in treasury bills or then, $100 minimum.
0: And then is, what about getting it, it out? Is yeah. It, yeah. At the it's end, the chicken well, money, so right? If you so. have
1: said at the end, no, don't automatically renew it, then the day they mature, your full $1,000 will drop back into the account. That's your money market account or your checking account. You can spend it. So you buy some this week and some next week and some the week after. So they're staggering the maturities.
0: So but I'm I'm just wondering. But you you can't get it out
1: in between. Right. This is a very good point. You're committed for six months. You cannot really get it back for six months. So leave some money in your money market fund in case you're thinking about that. You might, I don't know, mail your whatever you might need to do. You need some liquidity, but you're trading a Little bit of illiquidity, six months of commitment for a right. nice high rate.
0: <laughs> but six months doesn't sound completely illiquid to me either. I mean, oh, no, and if
1: you thought, well, okay, we're going to close on our house this summer, you'd buy 13 uh, week bills, three month bills, but the yield on those is lower than on the six month bills. In right. fact, let me look right Well, So now the
0: longer, you, right, the longer you put the money in, the higher yeah, the rate, Terry. Three
1: month bills today are trading at 4.84 percent. And six-month bills at 5.11%. What
0: rate you did you get, by? three
1: months, that's not bad. It was
0: a couple of weeks ago. It was in the mid, you know, four and a half, I think, or something. Whatever exactly. it was a couple of weeks
1: ago. Two years now trading at 4.8%. That auction doesn't happen every Monday. It comes up once a month. And 10 years, the reason mortgage rates are creeping back up again is because... When we started talking about this, 10-year notes a a couple of years ago were half of 1%. That was like no interest. Today, they're 3.96%, approaching 4% on the 10-year Treasury note. When you think about that, um, if you're willing to lock it up, or at least that's what the banks use also to set mortgage rates. So rates are creeping up. The whole idea being the Fed is going to have to stay tougher for longer. Let's do questions.
0: Annie, you're on WGN Radio with Terry Savage. What can we do for you? Hi.
1: Hey Terry, how you doing? Love your advice. Um,
0: yeah. So
2: I took your advice and I got the Ibon for you know ten thousand dollars. That's the maximum. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought I heard you say was like even if you put it in between, in the middle of the six months, you can get the full. Yep. Um, but I only got like one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. From Wait, the ten thousand dollars.
0: Hold
1: on. Don't worry about that. Here's the deal with how I bonds pay. You are going to get. First of all, you got the nine point three two percent. I think it was that was so terrific that ended on November first. You get six full months of that interest, but the interest doesn't drop into your Treasury direct account on I bonds until about the fourth or fifth month because they have that three-month waiting period in case you were ever to withdraw before that's an interest penalty if you were to withdraw before five years and then there's an extra month that takes them to get it organized to get it into your account do not worry you will get the full six months of that high rate and then the current 6.89 percent will apply even though rates will change again may 1st they might be a little lower maybe not see how inflation does but you will don't Look at the dollar amounts in your account yet. You're not going to cash this in for five years. That's when you'll pay taxes and you're going to get all the interest that's due to you.
0: It's good to hear. Annie, I hope that helps. Don, you're on WGN Radio with Terry Savage. Hi.
1: Hi. I filled up the forms the other
3: day to um, get the bonds, and when I got all done, it said there was a hole placed on my account because they couldn't verify the information, and I had to fill out an extra form 5444 and get it authorized or notarized and send in and then it would be up to at least 13 weeks before i would get approval is this happening to other people or did it
1: i'm i'm trying to figure out did were you buying savings bonds
3: yeah the treasury direct account yeah. i'm just setting it up to get an account right tell you what tell having- you what
1: tell you what Go to TerrySavage.com. I see all the posts before I answer them and publish them. Put your name, your email, your phone number in it, and give me the, all the information you got. Tre- Treasury is one place where I have a really good friend who uh, let them look into it, okay?
0: <laughs> that's why we have Terry Savage. Good luck to you, Don, and do what she said. And, Terry, that's all the time we have today, so... Let's kind of pick it up here next Next Wednesday and answer more of these kind of questions. If you've got questions about T-bills or I-bonds, and you will, Terry Savage on Wednesday. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, John. With all the good investment advice that you just got from Terry Savage about I-bonds and T-bills, here's another category for you to think about, ETFs. You've heard about those before. Last year, $10 trillion was put into ETFs. Matt Kaufman is the Senior Vice President and the Head of Investments at Calamos Investments. Matt, you're on WGM. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, John. Thanks
2: so much for having me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Um, you know, I grew up on WGN radio, listening to Spike, Bob Collins, Paul Harvey, you. I have such vivid and good memories of listening to you all, watching Cubs games at home as a kid, you know, the TV at our house would be on mute. We would turn the radio on to WGN because my dad, my brother, and I, we all loved listening to the games via the radio, watching on TV. We loved all of it. So it's an honor to be here.
0: Wow. Well, what a nice set of memories. We share those, and uh, it's nice to have you in the fold. Um, first, well, so I, I want to talk about what you guys are doing with Jonas, but before we do that, just talk to me about ETFs for a second. What are they? How do they work? Why are they so in vogue right now?
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. The the ETF vehicle is, you know, from a financial industry perspective, it's a relatively new vehicle. The structure of the mutual fund itself was developed um, nearly 100 years ago, 1924 to be exact. And then the legal registration of all mutual funds came about through the Securities Act of 1933. So history aside, fast forward to 1933, the first ETF was launched almost on the back of the crash of 1987, the Securities Exchange Commission was really looking for an efficient way for folks to be able to trade basket of stocks. And around four years later, after some back and forth legal work with the SEC, the first ETF was launched in 1993. So now here we are 30 years later, there's more than 7,000 exchange traded funds in the marketplace, more than 10 trillion in assets. That, That barrier was crossed last year. Um, The growth is not stopping. Now now you can access multiple market segments, stocks, bonds, commodities, options, all within the exchange traded fund wrapper. And then, you know, we think there's a reason for this growing demand. The ETF itself is a very efficient delivery mechanism for an investment strategy. they trade on an exchange, so they're very liquid. You can buy and sell an ETF just like you would a stock in your brokerage account or through your financial advisor. And there's also several tax efficiencies uh, with a lot of ETFs that other funds just can't claim, Um, as a lot of ETFs don't distribute taxable gains while you hold that product. So there's a lot of uh, reasons for people to hold ETFs. A large majority of financial advisors are seeing the benefits of the ETF space. Um, So we're seeing a a tremendous demand for this type of
0: product going forward. Well, distinguish them for us from mutual funds. How is an ETF different than a mutual fund?
2: Yeah, not terribly different. You know, a mutual fund is considered an open-end vehicle where you can obtain an investment objective, and then you can buy and sell shares of that directly from the company issuing the shares of the fund. Um, All an ETF is is an exchange-traded fund. So it's essentially an open-end vehicle that's traded on a stock exchange like the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ or in our, you know, hometown here, SIBO.
0: But my understanding is that an ETF is more targeted than a mutual fund, right? That I might look at the past performance of a mutual fund, but it'd be a variety of stocks. An ETF is more sector-oriented. Am, am I right?
2: It can be. I'd say, I'd say if, if that was probably the case 30 years ago. There were a lot more targeted strategies. So you can, you know, with 7,000 ETFs out there, there are certainly ones that are extremely targeted you can access the growth of the S&P 500 which is a broad you know large cap US equities and you could you could access you know let's say it's a wearable technology um, segment you know so the that space has been sliced up pretty thin which gives you really good control in my mind over your investment processes and and how you want to invest there's, there's certainly a good range of opportunities there
0: and is the idea behind an ETF that it sort of insulates you from having to pick a specific stock so that there's a little more are are you trading safety for performance?
2: Um I don't think so. I think in this case it allows you to to access you know specific spaces. So if you wanted to access again US large caps, you could buy, you know, the S P five hundred ETF. Um, if you wanted to access spaces that have specific goals, that really allows you to use ETFs as a set of tools to express your views on the market and where you want to invest. So um, a lot of times that performance is going to be different based on um, where the market is today. And so, you know, sometimes you will outperform based on, you know, um, how that et- specific ETF is performed. Sometimes it might underperform just like it would if you were owning, you know, say a mutual fund or an individual stock. But in this case, you could diversify out that single stock risk by owning a basket from the same universe.
0: Matt Kaufman is the head of investments at Calamos Investments. Talk to me about this joint venture you guys are involved in.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, we could not be more excited about this partnership. Uh, we, we built an ETF that is um, ESG-focused. It's a growth-focused ESG ETF built on one of the longest-standing ESG platforms in the country. But yeah, like like you said, what I think is even better is Calamos has partnered with Giannis Antetokounmpo on this effort. And the joint venture um, is looking to give back a portion of the profits to charities that reinforce financial literacy and education. So through this joint venture, we've launched a mutual fund, an exchange traded fund, which the ticker on that is SROI, and then another fund that's available um, overseas in Europe. So this has been a great endeavor for us. It's been a blast working with Giannis and his team um, and we couldn't be more thrilled with that, that partnership.
0: So I'm going to buy SROI, or I'm going to get this ETF, and it's going to uh, buy shares of companies that are involved in or the profits will go to uh, literacy. Is that right?
2: So the ETF itself will be focused on growth-oriented companies, so stocks of companies that are focused on, you know, from our perspective are growing, you know, in the marketplace and also have a focus on um, ESG factors, you know, those things that are committed to environmental or sustainable or governance factors. Um, so you know, to give you an example, if, if a corporation treats its employees well, that's a qualitative factor that, that, you know, we'd like to know about and we think can serve positively um, for, for future returns. And so that might be a company that we might want to own. Um, so we, we screen for those qualitative factors as well as the financial metrics that we think would contribute to a growing company.
0: Hmm. Is that a trend? Are people more interested not just in investing for their own financial gain, but maybe in companies that align themselves with their personal values that do some good in the world maybe?
2: I, I think so. We, we've definitely seen a, a trend toward that um, over the last 10 years or so. Um, it's it's a, a large trend in Europe and in the U.S. as well investing in companies um, you know, with good causes that are giving back to the community, that are sustainable, yeah. and, you know, that continue to grow. And, and we think you know, that actually contributes to positive returns over
0: time as well. And you describe those, those as ESG ETFs. What does ESG stand for again?
2: Sure. ESG is uh, an acronym for Environmental, Sustainable, and Governance. So those are three factors, you know, broad yeah. factors, that the CTF would screen for.
0: So if I want to get involved in this, then what do I do? If I want to put some money there, help myself, help this out, what do I do?
2: Yes, yeah, so just like you would buy any other ETF, you can buy shares of SROI on your brokerage account. Um, you could also go to your financial advisor, and I would uh, recommend doing that as well and incorporate um, potentially incorporate SROI as part of your overall allocation mix. But a good financial advisor would be a great help on that front.
0: Well, you've been a great help. Matt Kaufman. Hey, listen, for a guy who used to listen to WGN radio, you fit right in. It's nice to have your help today. Oh, it's been a blast. I appreciate you having me. He is the head of ETF investments at Calamos. You can click on Calamos, C-A-L-A-M-O-S dot com. That's Matt Kaufman. More business news with Steve Grizanich.
4: Start your timer. It's time for the Trust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Corner Bakery has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. The fast-casual breakfast and lunch chain has 20 locations in Illinois, including eight in Chicago. Most of the local locations are in the loop. Cranes reports the slow return of workers in urban areas has hurt the company financially. Only about 50% of workers are back in their downtown offices. Corner Bakery has also seen a dramatic drop-off in corporate catering. The chain was once owned by Lettuce Entertain You. It's now owned by a company based in Pennsylvania. Illinois has earned another credit upgrade. It's the seventh upgrade while J.B. Pritzker has been governor. S&P Global Ratings upgraded Illinois to an A-minus from BBB. The rating of states' bonds is a measure of their credit quality. A higher bond rating generally means the state can borrow at a lower interest rate. Even with the improved rating, Illinois ranks 49th ahead of New Jersey's BBB. Most states are AA or better. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust
5: Business Minute.
0: Okay, now the much-anticipated, star-studded business of food with Steve Alexander.
5: Mm-hmm. Happy Friday, and we're sponsored by the Chevy Silverado HD. Experience your life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. Okay, let's begin with our buddies, Orion Samuelson and John Williams, talking about whether almond milk ought to be allowed to be labeled as milk. I like to point out every time I've walked by the dairy case and see almond milk and I see <laughs> soy milk, and. I've never milked an almond tree or a soybean <laughs> plant in my life, so... Uh, well, they have little teeny nipples. So you should try It's not easy to do, but it's, <laughs> it's not. Oh, I hope this doesn't cause a rise in Big O's blood pressure, but the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, has issued proposed rules that would allow almond, soy, oat, and other fake milks to continue to add milk to their names because, the FDA says, it's a common and usual name. This may be much a moo about nothing, as it's only a draft and may or may not become a rule. Public comments are being taken until April 24th, and the FDA has managed to make both the dairy industry and the fake milk industry unhappy. The dairy people say milk is from animals, period. But they like the FDA's recommendation that the pretenders have to list on their labels the ways in which they are deficient to real milk, things like calcium, magnesium, and vitamin D. The plant-based people say that information is not necessary necessary and the FDA argues that nobody's being fooled by plant-based beverages calling themselves milk so it's basically a moot point or is that
0: a moo point <laughs>
5: yeah it's like a cow's opinion
0: it Just it doesn't matter it's moo <laughs>
5: Thank you, Joey. By the way, almond milk is the most popular fake milk, but oat milk has been closing the gap. And when it comes to sales, fake milk in the past year, $2.5 billion. Real milk, over $12 billion. Okay, Bigo. One more time, there is no such thing as almond milk because you don't milk an almond. Thanks, Bigo. And coming up on Monday's Business of Food, Ukrainian farmer Nick Gordachuk will check in from Kiev on how life and farming are going a year after the Russian attack began. That's the Business of Food on 720 WGN. A couple of minutes left on the
0: Wintrust Business Lunch. Let's spend them with Jeff Infusino, who is the president of Camp One Step. Hey, Jeff, you're on WGN. Tell us about Camp One Step. What do you guys do?
3: Hi, John, and thank you very much for having me today. I appreciate sure. it. Uh, camp One Step we're a nonprofit based in Chicago. Uh, we've been around since 1978, and we run free year-round programs for children who've been di- diagnosed with cancer and their families. Um, is it a specific we know that camp? Cancer yeah. has been. I'm am sorry. Go ahead.
0: Uh, well, no. I, I just tell tell me about the camp. Is it one specific location, or is it a, is it a physical place we're talking?
3: Sure. We have 11 different programs. We go different places. Uh, Wisconsin, we have actually, we have 30 campers in Park City, Utah right now, um, skiing in mountains, double diamonds, and and having a great time. But also, you know, we do things that are a little bit different. Uh, I'll speak to the Utah program that's going on right now. We have adaptive skiing, so kids that are uh, legally blind, or if they are in wheelchairs, they can still ski. Um, the whole point behind Camp One Step and our 11 programs is about giving kids the opportunity to be themselves, even while they're in treatment or when they're out of treatment. Is it a little like uh,
0: Make-A-Wish that way?
3: It's a, it's different than Make-A-Wish because Make-A-Wish is, is a great organization and it's this we're pick where you want to go. Our organization runs these programs throughout the year and we do them. 11 different programs this way we can say kids can come as many times as they want they can come um, at different times of the year we have sibling programs for our our siblings of child that have been diagnosed we have family programs for parents and their extended family because you know that's something that we want to make sure that families and kids understand that cancer might be what they're dealing with right now but the opportunity for them to be themselves and to experience the joy of being a kid or being a family that's connected again because cancer itself can cause disconnection darkness isolation uh, not just for the patient but for uh, everyone involved and the important thing that we do is we run these programs annually Um, as i mentioned before they're free and we want to make sure that every child that can get to camp can get to camp but john we also have what we call connected programs where uh, they're digital formats where kids and families can attend across the country, uh, around the world. We've had uh, children attend from Ecuador, from London, from Seattle, California, because it's really important that you don't feel alone. And cancer can do that. Cancer, immediately when you get that diagnosis or that call, um, changes your world, turns it upside down. We as a society know that when. COVID hit and the pandemic hit and all of our worlds changed immediately. That's what a family goes through all the time. Hmm.
0: It's an interesting uh, kind of observation. I think you're right. We all know a little bit about isolation and fear of illness in the last few years. But before the pandemic, this was an everyday occurrence for a lot of families. They were doing that on their own. Um, are, are these families mostly from the Chicago area? You you mentioned an international spectrum there um, where are these mm-hmm. kids from?
3: It's we have a large portion from Illinois so about fifty percent of our campers come from Illinois forty percent from Wisconsin um, about seven percent from Indiana and then it spreads out a little bit you know from yeah. the Midwest and a couple of folks that are in, in Florida or Arizona. Uh, what age are these kids typically their ages five through nineteen. Um, So at the very youngest age that we have, a Chicago day camp, actually, kids are in in Chicago and then people come from Wisconsin or all over from 5 to 10. Um, Our legacy program is uh, our summer camp, which is ages 7 to 19. And then every other camp program that we have kind of takes that format of kids within that age group of 5 to 19. And, of course, families can come for the family programs. That's zero all the way up.
0: I guess you could mainstream the kids, that is, put them in camp with kids who don't have cancer. Is there a benefit to kids interacting that have cancer, one with each other? It's a great question. And yes, it, that, I think when you look at the experiential
3: part of it, like we talked about in Utah, the most impactful benefit for a child that is diagnosed with cancer is to know that somebody else is going through it, right? Mm-hmm. And that somebody else has been there before. And um that's the beautiful part of our camp programs is it allows kids to see other kids that are going through it and talk about it our camps are not about sit there and talk about cancer because we really want them to check cancer at the door and then go and have a great time but those conversations happen organically and that organic conversations are about you know what they might be experiencing what treatment they're on we've had kids that have come and sit at the, at the lunch or dinner table and talk about, boy, I'm really having a hard time with this medication and that they've learned how to take the medication differently or seeing a, a camp counselor who's been a camper, one out of every five of our camper, or counselors excuse me, are um, former campers. campers. We have yeah. over 400 volunteers that help us out wow. all year.
0: Let's help you out, Jeff Infusino, president of Camp One Step. If I go to camponestep.org, O-N-E, camp1step.org, I can find out more. I'll bet I could make a donation there too, huh, Jeff?
3: You absolutely can. And we'd love for people to just see what we're doing. The most important thing is if you know of anybody that has cancer or has a child going through this, please let them know about us. Again, it's camponestep.org, C-A-M-P-O-N-E step.org, or follow us on social at, at Camp One Step. So the most important thing is learn about us, help us send more kids to camp. If you want to make a donation, that's outstanding. Uh, and we also have a podcast out there that ca- that's called No One Understands for people to tune in to learn more about what we do, but also about different cancer journeys that we work with. Good luck, Jeff. Nicely done.
0: Thanks for visiting with us today. John, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful weekend and enjoy your show. That's Jeff Infusino.